welcome to the podcast Psychodrama with Nomad Girl. It's me, Jansaya Ahmed Sadek, a nomad girl from Kazakhstan, and I do this podcast in a collaboration with the Psychodrama Association for Europe. In this podcast, you'll hear psychodramatists all over the world who share their experience and ideas. Our aim is to make psychodrama world closer. You can find the podcast on different platforms, such as Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, YouTube, Anchor, Spotify, and others. If you want to hear more guests and stories, please support the podcast on patreon.com. The link is in the description. Your help means a lot. We are continuing our journey to the continent of Africa, and our guest is Hanan El Mazari from Egypt, children's psychodramatist. Um, Dr. Hanan, right? I was uh, looking at some of your biography and works, and I saw that you were pediatrician firstly, mm. and then moved to be a child psychotherapy. Mm. So I'm interested if you can describe the way how you came to therapy, and especially after to psychodrama. Well, it started when I was in medical school, um, fifth year, and then um, we have a year that's called house officer year before we specialize. And uh, we used to help children in orphanages and, uh, you know, help them do operations and physical things. And uh, we wanted to get them um, psychiatric help or psychological help. And I couldn't find anybody in Alexandria where I live who was willing to do that. So I thought that I would specialize in that. But when I wanted to specialize, there was no child psychiatry in Alexandria. There was only general psychiatry or pediatrics and pediatrics had uh, child neurology and some psychiatry work and also the children themselves. So I started, you know, I, I intended to go to therapy from the beginning, but I went to pediatrics because that's where the children were. <laughs> now there are more trainings available, but you know, 20 years ago, there weren't that much trainings available. Mm. So that's why I started with pediatrics. I did neurology, which is the physical part of psychiatry and psychotherapy, okay? And uh, developmental pediatrics, children who are delayed for whatever reason, who have autism spectrum disorders, ADHD, and then I started moving into more things and more psychotherapy and got more degrees on the way. So you managed to find degrees in Alexandria, Egypt, or you went to another places? Um, you know, for my university education, I mostly did it in Alexandria. I got a psychiatry degree from uh, Cairo in Ayn Shams University. Um, but most of the psychotherapy training I did, I had to travel to do it. So I traveled to Cairo. I uh, did online work. I learned things from outside, books from abroad. But most of my psychotherapy training was done in Cairo. When I started in Alexandria, psychotherapy was not very well known here. So now it is, it's very common now. But 20 years ago, it was not. So I did most of my training in Cairo. Yeah, I understand the situation. Mm -hmm. 
and how did you meet with psychodrama? Um, that, that's a very interesting story. Uh, you know, people in Cairo, uh, lots of the psychiatrists in Cairo, uh, especially Cairo University, were interested in psychotherapy and group psychotherapy, okay? Not especially psychodrama, but they were interested in group psychotherapy. And they came to Alexandria in a conference and uh, we saw group psychotherapy face-to-face -face, and we were introduced to it. And then they invited us to Cairo uh, where the um, people from the IGP, International Association of Group Psychotherapy uh, came. Uh, first time it was Jürg Burmeister. He came and introduced group psychotherapy. Second time it was Mauricio Gasso. So that was a very strong introduction for me to psychodrama. It was an experiential group uh, workshop for four days. That happened, I think, in 2010. That was like 10 years ago. Okay, 11 years ago now. Um, and uh, it was a very intense workshop. So I was really, uh, you know, drawn to it. Uh, later, you know, lots of people also got interested, not only me. We started experimenting with the methods. We attended more workshops. And then finally, I think in uh, 2014, okay, we had a training, a full-blown psychodrama training in Egypt. Okay, that was the first organized psychodrama training in Egypt. That was, you know, with, you know, credit hours and uh, we had a thesis and an organized thing. Uh, so I joined that, although I wanted to do psychodrama for children and this training was for adults, but, you know, uh, they told me and I thought that it was a step on the way and I can try the methods on myself until such a thing as psychodrama for children can be more available. So I did that. And uh, I started using some techniques with children and uh, of the psychodrama that, you know, classic psychodrama that we were being taught. Uh, and then uh, the interesting thing happened when um, I started meeting, um, I think in 2018, 19, uh, people from Germany who do psychodrama with children. And I went to Bulgaria to a summer, uh, you know, intensive course. And then uh, what I found was that what I was doing before getting introduced to psychodrama is what most people call psychodrama with children and that what I was doing was not really uh, the best thing to do with children. And that's why I, uh, I wrote the paper about, you know, techniques with children and techniques with adults, because I found out that, you know, children do lots of things spontaneously and like more things than others in psychodrama. Uh, so I also, uh, you know, I did not really like the German method a lot. So I started experimenting with new things, with psychodrama with children myself, because I found that, you know, our children in Egypt needed more things, different things than... Um, so that's the story. And now we have a supervision group, intervision group for uh, child psychodramatists. It's affiliated with the IAGP. We collected the group who are interested in the last conference that was in Malmo. Sweden. So that's um, psychodrama. Mm, it, it sounds very nice that there are already supervision mm -hmm. groups in Egypt and etc. 
you mentioned that you realized that Egyptian children need something different than European methods. So can you give some examples? What are the difference? Well, the difference I found is that um, children in Egypt are usually, you know, culturally, were expected to grow faster. It's something to do with the climate, with the economy, with lots of things. So they, uh, they are taught from early on ages to do things that, or to play uh, games that are related to the real life. And they are more, usually more interested in uh, concrete ideas that are related to, uh, for example, selling and buying, building a house, uh, working, things like that, more than imaginative things. Uh, after the age of you know, six, seven years, uh, children who are younger than six are like, you know, all other children, I think, in the world and, you know, still engaged in imagination. But our children were expected to marry actually at the age of 12, 14 for the girls and boys were expected to start working and earning money at age 12 up to a very close time. So uh, because of that, uh, not only the educational system, but also the educational system, they want to become adults faster. So to help them, you know, uh, you know, imagine things that are very, very, um, for example, storytelling, uh, fairy tales, things like that. Uh, they're more like adolescents in the European culture where they will not like to do these things and consider them children's games and not like to engage in them. More like adolescents, so they grow faster here and they mature much more faster. So. Uh, but they are still children in other ways, cognitively. So I found that they needed different things. I understand. Mm -hmm. so what were the most um, challenges on the way with working Egyptian children? I think uh, the most recent and the real challenge that I found was the COVID-19 and the transferring to online. That was the, the biggest challenge, not, not because they are Egyptian, but you know, it was in general, a general challenge. But before that, uh, the way I work is child-centered and child-led. So the children lead the work. It's not me that leads. So usually I'm not really challenged because I usually follow the children. So not really challenging. But once we went on the online environment, there were lots of challenges and uh, I, I moved psychodrama with children online, which was a, a big challenge to do it because of, uh, you know, the newness of the, the place, the environment, the technology, and uh, most of the tools but not being there, most of the games that we used to play not being available. So that was a real strong challenge. Uh, but we have managed to pass a lot of it basically because I changed the way I, th I thought of things because in the beginning, I thought that we wanted to do most of the things that we did face-to-face -face online. And then uh, after I managed to uh, transform one of the games that the kids really loved, because we do something that's called psychodrama games, I can explain it later. Uh, one of the games that the children loved, we managed to do it on online and the children were not that interested so after I, you know, was really, really invested in showing them, look, we can now play the game that you were asking for every time. And then I found that they were not that interested. So I thought that we really needed to do new things. 
that are suited to the new environment. So we're starting to do that, but it's still challenging. It's not easy at all to do uh, psychodrama with children online. It's not easy to do actually group therapy with children online, but um, especially in the beginning of the COVID time, uh, it uh, provided a very good um, stabilization for the children because they met children they knew, they, they did some of the things they knew, they could express themselves with the, all the fears that are surrounding. Now it's more difficult because uh, children and adults are tired of the online. <laughs> yeah, so it's becoming uh, a bit more difficult. But we are learning a lot, I think, learning a lot in terms of uh, what makes the children, um, what makes them engaged, what doesn't, uh, what really makes a difference, and uh, how the children uh, interact with their own space at home, because it's also an added benefit of this online environment that you see, you see the child where they live, which is a different thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can imagine how hard it is, um, even when adults are struggling to move with, with moving online. And also, I think there is an impact when you, I read your pay, uh, article uh, in the forum uh, journal, mm -hmm. and you were writing about um, the important things to pay attention in working with children is their engagement that they should be immersed into it and that's a kind of marker right if it is working or not yes i think it's also hard to keep that while working online um it sometimes work okay but it's much more difficult to do because also you're not seeing the whole body uh, they don't have a good chance to, like, you know, in face-to-face, -face, uh, two children can go, you know, uh, to, to the side and have a side talk. Mm -hmm. Or they can, uh, for example, one of them can just, you know, just stop interacting with you. In the online, th these things can happen. For example, uh, most uh, child psychotherapists online are talking now that they know how the ceiling looks like because i'll show you how <laughs> most children will do that so you see the ceiling most of the time <laughs> okay it happens a lot with the children so uh it's not necessarily because they're not engaged but because sometimes they're holding their mobile phone like this okay and it's you know they relax their hand a bit not necessarily because they're not they're that engaged so you cannot be sure whether when they're doing that, it's because they're not engaged or it's because they are tired. So we try, but it's also, uh, you know, the attention span of children. It's not easy to stay online for an hour. So we have to do things also to grab their attention, not just to engage them, just to have them to become attentive. So the markers that we used for engagement on face-to-face, -face, some of them still work, others do not. So uh, it's, you know, we're starting to learn new things. The ceiling marker is, uh, is becoming a new thing that uh, lots of people are saying. Also, the children will do that. So they close their video, they close their audio. Sometimes they close their audio only and then start 
sign languaging, okay, yeah. Other, uh, so the, these are, it's usually protests and also maybe that I'm not engaged and I don't want you to see me and I'm tired of all of you. And these things uh, happen not only because of lack of attention, sometimes because of lack of engagement, but it's not easy to pick which is it. So not an easy task in general, but uh, most of the children, uh, they want to come back, although these things happen, because uh, in these times, especially when we had the quarantine during all the all summer, we were quarantined. Uh, children had no other chance to meet other children and play with them. So it was better to meet them online and play even, you know, whatever games than, you know, being at home alone all day. So they still wanted to come. And my groups are basically not psychodrama groups. They are social skills groups. So for the children to socialize, who don't have friends, this is the main thing for our groups. So now most children don't have friends because they don't see them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, besides that, what are the most joyful things for you when you do psychodrama with children? Um, I like playing myself. <laughs> I like playing and I like uh, laughing and I like the, um, when um, the emotion changes and um, we are all playing together, we are all laughing together. Uh, I think it's, um, it's the real group experience. And uh, also I like to see the transformation in children. So children who are, you know, coming, smiling, asking for things, feeling safe, expressing themselves, even in the online, you know, closing the camera, closing the microphone, and, you know, negotiating with them versus, you know, what happens to them in the schools and things like that. So I've also found um, new joyful things online. I'll show you now. Oh, masks. Yes, and lots of other, you know, props that are available online in Zoom and elsewhere. Okay, so uh, we have fun. We have, uh, we had fun also in the face-to-face um, um, -face when we played, you know, games, uh, because usually I also use my own self. So if I play a game, I, I win. <laughs> yes, and to, um, uh, for example, if we are playing a game and uh, I can, I will, I'll be winning every time. Uh, I, and also my co-therapist, because we are adults, we reduce our chances. So for example, if they have 10 pieces to play with, we'll take just four, but then we will really try our best to win. So we are really in it with them. And I think that's a very different thing from when, you know, adults, you know, allow kids to play, not really engage with ourselves in the play. So I think this uh, really also attracts the children that we use our own emotions of, you know, being disappointed and being happy. And so that makes, uh, I think, a difference. So we're not uh, directing um, psychodrama uh, in the way that we are not group members. We become group members as well. And also I allow the children to direct. So, so sometimes we play psychodrama games in a way 
that one child is directing other children and us and using us, using totally and having total freedom. The only thing we keep in mind as being adults is the safety. So the children will not be very aware of the safety they might want, for example, to go on a table and jump. That's when we intervene. Otherwise, they do what they want if it's not dangerous. So when mm. they see your emotions, they accept you as real, right? Yes, and they are really real, you know. And uh, we also take votes for what we are going to play. And I also vote, okay? So if I'm playing a game that I don't really like, they see that I'm being bored and that I don't like it. So uh, this is uh, a part of also having them express their own emotions, not being shy about it. Mm. In your paper, you suggest uh, three occasions that you did with your children. Mm. And um, as I saw, one was magic shop, Another was like group spontaneous play. And the one is um, real protagonist work. Mm. Uh, how much often um, it is possible or you prefer to do a protagonist work? Uh, not a lot. Not a lot. Because of the you know, main reason is it's very difficult to engage the children in it because of, you know, by, um, by definition, it's only one protagonist. That's why uh, the, you know, the, the protagonists work with the classic psychodrama where you only have one protagonist, uh, I do very rarely. Now I do much more psychodrama games. Uh, they're not really published in a paper yet, but I, you know, I've talked about them in different conferences. So psychodrama games is a new entity where we can have either simultaneous protagonists, a number of simultaneous protagonists at the same time, or we have sequential protagonists. It's like, you know, the psychodrama small vignettes where everyone is a protagonist for a small amount of time, not, not a long amount of time. And usually without, uh, the, you can have some role reversal, but not a lot of doubling and in general, not a long thing, okay? So that works much more better for me than doing classical uh, psychodrama with protagonist work. Yes. Mm. Okay, thank you. Uh, now I would like to move a bit to another topic. Mm. Uh, I'm actually also interested in Islam religion I practice and when I was studying and still study um, I really enjoy finding the parallel things some concepts uh, in psychology and in Islam from some ayats um, I really love it so maybe there's some um, your recognitions when you work to a psychodrama, did you find some correlations with religion? Um, I don't really think I found them in psychodrama. I found a lot in other types of psychotherapy. I'm now doing, um, I'm now training, I'm now a trainee in uh, TSM psychodrama, trauma survival model of psychodrama, if you heard about it. Uh, 
And there I found more uh, in psychodrama, I found more uh, attachment to my faith because, uh, you know, TSM psychodrama, they build your strength. So it's uh, uh, personal strength, you know, interpersonal and interpersonal strength and transpersonal strength. So, you know, every time transpersonal strength is brought in, uh, I remember my faith. <laughs> okay. And uh, actually, I found that it's a very good place to go back to and, you know, build strength. So that was a great help. And actually, because also I'm working for, with people from, you know, uh, different places in the world, different faiths, people who, you know, don't have a faith. Um, I recognize and also other people recognize that this is a very good grounding place. Um, uh, in psychodrama, I found in, on different occasions, uh, general psychodrama and TSM, that uh, there are things that I don't want to do as a Muslim and that I want to uh, imagine uh, possibilities. For example, uh, playing gods and playing and, you know, a talking like, like I, uh, you know, and I don't want to do that. So usually I try to either change the language, not participate in that part and do something else and be imaginative and still participating. But uh, this was the main thing that I did not want to do. And I found, um, I found humility in that. I found that I really uh, found my place and I found find that even uh, imagination can have a limit because it can be dangerous if I do that. Uh, in general, I think psychodrama can be uh, as a psychotherapy tool. Um, uh, it's an invitation for psychodramatists to exercise uh, lots of power, lots of, um, and uh, that can be not only for the faith, but for other things, it's a very strong tool, very transformative tool. So for me, the only thing that I felt I wanted to protect and uh, in case was my faith. But other than, other than that, I actually like going, you know, in different routes and, you know, imagining things and it's very fun. But for that, I needed to encase it in psychodrama. For this particular part, it was not difficult for me. You know, I, I managed well. And uh, uh, I think I am rather assertive. So people were not, you know, uh, you know, I was not shy about it. I just, you know, said I'm not going to do this outright. <laughs> so that was uh, a part of it. Um, other uh, other psychotherapies. I'm, I've I've wrote, written about Islamic perspectives of DBT, dialectical behavioral therapy, and I've drawn lots of uh, parallels between them uh, and other therapies as well. So this is a very you know big area of interest for me. And uh, I understand. I'd like to ask. I know this is you are interviewing me, but I am also interested. What have you found? in that area of psychodrama? Mm, actually, me too. I, I didn't find exactly in psychodrama yet. Uh, the last one that I came to awareness of uh, this operational status. Uh, yes, yeah, so the part about egocentrism, when uh, children 
uh, don't see the way others see. They imagine that everyone see how they see. And when they play hide and seek, if they close only their head, they imagine they're hidden. So uh, then when I was reading um, Quran translation, there were a lot of ayats about people who close their eyes and close their ears in order not to hear what they're told about, about the truth and face way. Uh, and it kind of, I saw the similarity that we're adults, but we do, we act ourselves as kids in that part as egocentric and we don't want to see, but actually when you look at the children, it looks very funny how they close their own heads. Yeah. Very, very insightful. This is it. <laughs> yeah. It's also on other types of psychodrama, you know, lots of people do walk, uh, walk around in life, not seeing, not hearing. It's true. Yeah. Okay, then let's move on. Um, yeah about the IAGP and EAGT conferences. Uh, you had it right before the pandemic, right? In January, 2020. Yes, yes. I think it was lucky time to have it. <laughs> Actually, COVID had started by that time, but we did not really know, you know? <laughs> yeah. So in general, how um, are these conferences? Um, is it held mostly in Egypt or it changed the country among Africa? And how is place of psychodrama in African continent, if we say like that? Well, um, as far as I know, okay, for the conference, that's easy. The conference is the conference of the Egyptian Association of Group Psychotherapy. So it's held in Egypt every two years in uh, association with the IAGP. And it is called the regional conference because it is, you know, so it's, a, you know, just a matter of cooperation between both. But it is originally the conference of the Egyptian Association of Group Psychotherapy. And it has, it's in January every two years, it's, it has been settled like this. Uh, so that was, you know, that's the time of the conference. Uh, association with the IAGP, uh, brought lots of uh, interesting people to know, to know and meet. Um, Africa. Uh, South Africa has psychodramatists. I've met people who are interested in child uh, psychodrama from South Africa. I met them in Malmo, actually, not in Egypt. And uh, there are also psychodramatists from South Africa who are uh, members of the IEGP. So, you know, in general, South Africa is a developed country to a, to a great extent. So they have lots of things. Uh, Tunisia uh, are, act are active in uh, psychotherapy in general, okay? And people from Egypt have been going to Tunisia to give, uh, you know, psychotherapy training, especially group psychotherapy training. And I think they might have started the psychodrama, I'm not really sure, but I think they might have. Uh, so that's uh, Tunisia. Uh, other than that, I have not been, I haven't met uh, people who are doing psychodrama from other places in uh, Africa. I've met people doing other types of psychotherapy from Africa. 
-hmm. but you know psychodrama is mostly egypt uh, south africa these are the people that i meet who i know do psychodrama maybe you know more about arabic countries not african um you know you know we know more usually about the arab speaking countries in africa the north of the sahara you know the arab speaking the north africa and then there are you know african countries sub-saharan countries okay uh i speak french so lots of those you know countries of sub-saharan africa speak french uh but uh actually i've met more people from sub-saharan africa in pediatric conferences than i met uh in uh, in our conferences we sometimes get people from sudan sudan is also an arab-speaking country uh, I haven't met any any of them doing uh, psychodrama, so uh, I wouldn't be an authority and say that the only psychodrama is in you know Egypt and uh, South Africa. There there might be you know it's a very big possibility. I think maybe in Nigeria where they have you know lots of developed things possible, but I'm not sure. Haven't met them you know. So the free space maybe to create some. Arabic-speaking psychodramatists or African psychodramatists for future? Actually, you know, uh, psychodrama is very suited to the Arab mind because, you know, Arab, you know, people like to talk and, you know, words have very big impact and we like groups as well. So psychodrama is a big hit here. You know, people really like psychodrama. Uh, what people did not like, group analysis, including me actually, group analysis especially, was not a very big popular thing here. <laughs> okay, uh, so as a last, I have blitz questions, are uh, the questions that I ask to every my guest. Mm. What is psychodrama for you? Um, I once heard it and it still uh, sticks. Psychodrama for adults for me is like uh, psychotherapy surgery. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, quick, messy, and uh, strong, and then people need to recover afterwards. So that's more uh, psychodrama. For, psychodrama with children for me is um, uh, playing. Yeah, and having fun and inventing new games. Hmm. When was the time and how did you feel as a protagonist for the first time? um that that first workshop that we did yes and uh actually um my strongest uh, experience in psychodrama up till now was uh that first workshop i was before i was a protagonist i was an auxiliary ego and that was you know because i you know there was huge telly in choosing me they chose me for qualities that are really not showing and things that you know people did not know about, really did not know about, and uh, that was magical moment for me. That's what really got me hooked on psychodrama because the idea of people choosing you for something that I, I don't really think that I was projecting, and it's like information that's unknown, and still I got chosen. So that was uh, that was very strong. And I also had a very strong protagonist work in that first workshop. So, yes. <laughs> mm. 
If you met with Morena, what would you say to him? <laughs> Most probably nothing, you know. I've heard so much about him, I'd be more interested in listening. <laughs> you would listen to him. Yeah. <laughs> I see. Um, yeah, Hanan, um, this is basically uh, our podcast episode. Um, that was an honor, and I liked a lot meeting you, Jansaya. I... Okay, thank you very much. Then we'll well, stay in touch, stay healthy. No. You too, you too. Take care, please. Yeah, have a good day. Bye. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.